0: Well, welcome everyone, midway through May here. Thanks for jumping on with us for Mortgage Matters with Chris this week. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here, chatting with us. Oh, you're welcome. This week, this was backed by popular demand um, to discuss some options, loan options for people who don't have regular income. So, you know, it's funny. And I had to look back on our records because I was like, surely we've talked about this before, but I don't know if we have. Um, but you get asked all the time about, you know, what do people do if they don't have normal W-2s and things like that. So appreciate you being here. Uh, you have over 25 years, I think 26 years, you've said, uh, experience in the mortgage industry. And you and your team have combined uh, significantly more than that. So you've done a lot of non-traditional type loans over the course of your time. So... I think this is great for us to get, kind of aggregate all this information on what so many people um, uh, who kind of fall into this category, so they can find all of this in one spot here. So we're going to answer all the questions related to bank statement, and uh, I believe it's called non-QM loans. Is that the official term for them?
1: Yeah, non-qualified mortgage program. So outside of the box, not your typical or traditional conventional loans, which would fall under a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or a government loan, which would be loans with HUD, FHA, uh, USDA, BA loans, types, those types of loan programs that require income documentation such as W-2s, tax returns, pay stubs. Uh, with, with these tra- uh, non-traditional type of programs, we're talking about how can we come up with alternative documentation to show income. And uh, Mindy, And those of you out there listening, probably about 20, at least 20% of my portfolio is geared towards uh, self-employed borrowers. A lot of times, you know, when you're self-employed, you take advantage of the tax laws and you, at the end of the day, have multiple write-offs. So, you know, you you may make the money and be able to afford a nice home that's a half a million dollars, but on paper, after I look at your tax returns, your your adjusted net income is somewhere around fifty thousand, and you know that puts you in a position where you don't qualify for anything in this market. However, that's that's not really where you stand as far as your income is concerned.
0: Twenty percent is a pretty big margin. A pretty you know twenty percent of your clientele's and the loans that you do that's pretty significant. Uh, yeah. I I think it's interesting today. You know maybe this is why we've gotten so many questions as of lately in this post-pandemic world, we know that so many people went out on their own. You know, after big companies laid off a bunch of regular W-2 employees, a lot of people went out on their own. And because, are well, you just going to sit at home and do nothing. So they made their own way. And it seems like we have more self-employed people um, or people who don't make a standard W-2 than we've had at least in a long time. Um, so very, very relevant here. So, Chris, yes. yeah. let's dive in um, the conventional way that we think of, not conventional loan, but like the conventional wisdom to get a mortgage. Someone thinks I have to have my W-2, my tax normal tax return from that, and then I have have to be at that job for two years. So a person who owns their own business or has gone out on their own doesn't have most of that, right? Uh, so, with this bank statement loan, what's the alternative? What are you looking for in terms of documentation for people who don't have the W-2? What do they need instead?
1: So there's two different ways to do the bank statement program. One it would be based on 12 months of bank statements. Now we have different ways to do this. We can use personal bank statements or business bank statements. So. If we go with the, we can go 12 months worth of those bank statements or 24 months. If we go as far as the 24 month bank statements, sometimes it's a little bit more advantageous for our client because the rate may be a little bit better because we're showing more documentation and we're showing more income. Now, typically how it works, and this is where it gets a little tricky. So I want to try to explain this in a way that is very easily understandable. So we'll take 50% almost like we would if we showed what you made for income as a W-2 person. I'll use 50% of your income to support your debt, okay? We'll do the same thing with bank statements. So for so let's say, for example, you're a small business owner and you deposit all of your money into, you know, you own, a, you know, let's say you own, an electric, you're you're an electrician, and you are a little electrician, you're an electrician in a little electrical company, and you bring in around $200,000 a year into your bank statements. Well, I'll be able to use 50% of that as your income, right? $100,000. Um, so now I just base it on $100,000, uh, which, you know, technically you got $16,000. We just got to keep everything under the $8,000, you know, 50% of that all your bills, your new mortgage payment, which would include your principal and interest, your taxes, insurance, PMI, if there's PMI, or or what we have there. And we can do this with as little as 10% down. So with the bank statement programs, you can do them for refinances, cash out refinances, or purchases. And all that would be required is a 10% down, um, earnest money deposit, well, not earnest money deposit, but just you would have to put 10% down to get your financing. Now, there are some little, and I don't want to get too deep into this and confuse people, but let's just say there's two types of businesses, okay? Let's give you um, the electrician, like we talked about, right? He's self-employed. He's got to go out sometimes for jobs. He's got to go buy material. He's got to go buy wiring. He's got to go buy face plates. He's got to buy all this Stuff so there's expend there's a little bit more expenses. He's got people he that work for him, so out of that two hundred thousand dollars, he might be paying out somebody um some some of that money might be going out to employees, um, products, materials, and things like that. so that's why we're going to the fifty percent. Also, you have another self-employed person. let's use a realtor, for example. Realtors don't have that much expenses, right? So you may bring $250,000 into your business as your 1099 and well you keep 80% of it, right? So how would we get around that? So say you only bring in as a realtor, you got you have the electrician over here bringing in 200,000, right? But we know he keeps about 50% cuz he's got employees, he's got trucks, he's got this, he's got all this other stuff. And we got a realtor over here who brings in about 100,000. They close you know, a couple deals a month and, you know, they make a good, honest living at $100,000 or $120,000 a year. And that would be hard if I say you can only use 50% of those bank statements. Well, in those cases, if I have a letter from your CPA that states, listen, at the end of the day, we're only going to be using, we, you know, expenses are 80% of this or 90%. And you know, all their expenses typically are is like phone bill, this or that. There's no employees. There's no real cost of the business. Then in that case, then we will be able to work with that number based on 70%, 80% or whatever it comes up to, whatever that CPA is saying. So we look at it case by case. So I don't want to just say on this podcast here that it's 50% cut and dry. It's really not 50. It's 50% out of the gate. If there's no CPA that's getting involved, that's going to help, um, with writing us a letter of what the earned income is based on after expenses. So that being said, think of it as you bringing me 12 months of bank statements and your little business or your big business, whatever it is, and you deposit $10,000 a month average. So I take the average, I add up all the deposits over the last 12 months, and then I divide it by 12. And that's what we use for income. And that based on however your business runs, I'll decide, or I won't decide, well, between what the accountant gives us back and our underwriter will decide what we'll uh, actually allow you to 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 use up to, whether it's 50%, 60%, 70%, 80% of that, those deposits as your income. Does that okay. make sense?
0: That does. So for clarification, let's say someone has, um... Can someone expect the process to be different? Say they, they're they a sole proprietor and everything's under the Social Security number versus they're an LLC. Are there some differences they can kind of expect in terms of that? No,
1: nope, because self, any self-employed borrower, so you must have at least 50 per... To, to do these loans, you have to be self-employed. You must have at least 50%, in most cases, 50% ownership in the business. I like to say 50%. Sometimes, you know, we see... Some exceptions with some of the other investors that we use could be a little less, but for a rule of thumb is 50% at least. Sole proprietorship, partnerships, LLCs, or corporations. All right? And the validation required um, of the borrower's percentage of ownership needs to be provided by, you know, a CPA or an attorney, an enrolled agent, or their tax preparer, some someone like that. Um, that way, it's a, you know, requires validation from a neutral third party that that business has been in operation for a minimum of two years. So you need to be self-employed for at least two years of of that time. Um, So as long as you have a business license showing that or a letter from a CPA, which again is that third party or an attorney and a rolled agent, like I said, or tax preparer, secretary of state filing, I just need to show proof that you've been self-employed for two years and um, then we're good to go. And then all you do is you're going to submit those bank statements to me, whether some businesses are so small that they just run the business as a sole proprietorship and go runs right through their personal bank account. So I take the personal bank accounts. Now, if you're a business and you're an LLC and you run most of your business through your business accounts and you take very little into your personal account and most of it's run through your business, well, then I'm going to take, I'm going to take the 12 months or 24 months of your business bank statements. And we can look at if you could provide twenty four months, it's gonna just be a little bit better in rate for you. So because we're just providing more documentation and it's just it, it just shows that there's a little bit more breadth to the to the um, to your income rather than just a 12 month look back.
0: So a lot of uh, people who uh, are just starting up businesses or maybe they started one up two, three years ago, uh, for that first one, maybe two years, they cl- they claimed a loss because as we know, It's not easy to start a business. (laughs) And so uh, showing a loss on paper is a pretty normal part of starting a business. So let's say that um, they've been in business two years. The first year they showed a loss. This year they showed a profit. Is that going to harm them? Or is that going to change things?
1: It does, because a lot of times what they'll do is they'll blend the income, so they'll take the average of the last two incomes. So if you're going full doc, full documentation meeting, you're going to provide two years of tax returns. And um, yeah, one year you did horrible, one year you did great. The only time I've seen like an exception on a bad year is with COVID. So there was like a l- l- lot of grace, if you will, for a lot of people that were self-employed through COVID that lost a lot of income. They made some exceptions during that time, but rule of thumb on that would be, you know, an average of the last two years of income. So if you made a hundred and hundred grand um, this year, but last year you only made 50, I'm going to probably go off for 75,000. And that may not help you qualify for the type of home that you realistically could afford. So an alternative program, like a bank statement program would do great. And it also works for people that are 1099. So, um, don't think of just bank statements because that's if you're self-employed, but there's a lot of, um, uh, let's say contractors who get paid by companies as a 1099, uh, which is like the same as a bank statement. I can go off a of 1099s as well and use 50% of the income. So if you're the type, uh, you, you have the type of business that you sit from home and you're, you're a con- you're a con- a subcontractor for a company, maybe you work for multiple companies in a couple of years, but you always have work lined up. We've done it that way as well. So I think it's important for people to know that these are programs and why I think that these programs are so fantastic is let's look at it, let's let's look at it this way. Say you show 50,000 or whatever, fifty forty thousand. 40,000 at the end of the day, your adjusted net, that's all you show, you can't really afford anything. And typically on something like that, you pay in like five ten thousand $10,000 a year in taxes. Now, to qualify for the loan, you need to show two years of this, like, really good income. So you say, you know what, I'm going to go amend my taxes because I made that money. I want that awesome rate, conventional rate, and the fives or the sixes, whatever it is. I don't want seven and a half or eight or whatever these programs have because the rate is a little bit higher. So I want to walk through this because I think it's very important to understand this, not to be penny-wise and dollar dumb. And what I mean by that is you're going to go I've I've had people say I'm going to go and amend my taxes and I'm going to show what do I need to show cuz I make it um I'm just not going to use my deductions I guess. I mean, I I should be able to use my deductions, but you know, if I don't if I didn't have all if I didn't use all these deductions and actually kept the money, I could probably have afforded a lot more of a house and I say, "Okay, well, yeah, you can go, you know, you can obviously show. I mean, your bank statements show that you brought in 150,000, so we know you really did." um but you add these deductions you're going to end up paying what 20 25 percent in taxes up to 20 25 percent of tax on 100 grand so you're going to pay an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars times two to qualify for a rate that may be a percent or two half better saving you 200 or 300 bucks a month so now let's now that i put painted that picture fee let's do that map so you, now you just paid 40 40, 50, 60,000 in taxes to save yourself two, 300 bucks a month. To me, that doesn't make a lot of sense because I'd rather see myself pay, you know, an extra 2,000, $3,000 a year in a mortgage payment than go out and throw away $50,000 to save that money. Does that, does that make sense, Mindy?
0: 50,000 to the government, no less.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, it's just, you know what, there's going to, you're going to be penalized. You don't, you're, you know you're you're taking advantage of the t- the tax r- rules and the tax laws and you're using your write-offs and your deductions. so to a person that's when I want you guys to think about this think about it from the lender's point of view, the guy that's going to lend you the money uh the you know the the company or the bank the investor that's going to lend you out the money, they're taking a risk. I mean you know you you're just showing bank statements of money coming in. you have all these expenses um there's going to be a cost associated with the risk, right? Um, and it's a small cost compared to what you would pay if you're going to go pay or or not take advantage of the deductions that you could use um, to save yourself a couple hundred bucks a month. And so,
0: it's a very yeah. small cost compared to small
1: in- cost, and that's <laughs> and that's why I do a lot of these loans. I, I work with a lot of um whether they're property investors or they're self-employed and they all, everybody I talk to, I have to have this conversation with them because they want the the prime rates at where they are. But once they understand and once they get, well, listen, you know, I mean, you're going to pay one way or another, but this way you're going to actually pay a lot less than you would if you didn't take the deductions that you're able to. um, And then you claim it as income. Because you're gonna pay a lot into taxes. I mean, this is a small price to pay at the end of the day, and it gets you in a home. And if that uh, your business changes at some point to where you're making so much money that you're actually with the, the write offs, making a substantial amount of money to where you're claiming it and you're paying in a, that money, then good. Refinance your your mortgage into a lower rate, and you can always do that when that sure. time comes.
0: So they're not stuck with that chris can you can you talk through one more scenario because i feel like this is a very common scenario down especially in our area here um a lot of couples they'll have one person who has a standard job and they got a w-2 and the one person who's self-employed what would you do in that situation so that someone knows like if they're thinking of stepping out of renting stepping into their first or maybe next home um, just moved to the area has their business that they Started up two three years ago when they moved here. Spouse is W two. Uh, obviously, every situation is different. But what what's one path that could look like?
1: Well, I mean that's that's a that's unique in a in a sense because um, we know all the money. So we so say those bank statements were coming to us, right? I got all your bank statements. I'm gonna just take out. I'm gonna deduct the deposits of the payroll checks. I want to keep that separate from what the income is from the bank statements from the self-employed income and then i'll add the w-2 income back into it so you know you're still using your it the the bank the investor is fine because i'm showing that it's income i'm still using it all it's you know and it's just one's w-2 income and one's self-employed income um we're just not gonna double count it if that makes sense so we're not gonna say oh this guy you know it's it's all getting deposited in the bank we're just gonna say okay this portion of the income is 50,000 from the job and the business does 100,000. So the total income between the household is 150,000.
0: So no one has to feel like they can only go on the W-2 or they can only go on the business, like you have- Well,
1: you're gonna go through one of these programs if one of you have has a business. So yeah, one of you has a business and, you, and you're not proving that income and that's a big portion of the income that we're using. Um, Fortunately, you have a solution. You can do a program, like a non-qualified mortgage program, like a bank statement program. However, you're going to have to go that route no matter what. You know, this. Yeah. You know, you're know you going to just have to go this route, even though a portion of the income is W-2. So
0: I think uh, it's a misconception that if one spouse is self-employed, that there's nothing they can do to contribute. You know, it just has to be on the spouse with the W-2. And so what you're telling us here is that's not the case. Um, no, I'm, going
1: to use, I'm going to use deposits, yeah. so I mean, we're just going to separate where it's coming from.
0: Yeah. It's
1: coming, well, in, uh, getting its household income.
0: Well, obviously, every situation's different, and you uh, you and your team, you know, does consultations for individualized for each person um, so that uh, they can see what is the best scenario for their case and getting them into their next home. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, uh, you're still going to be having a lot of these conversations, but this is really good. Cause I think this answers a lot of the questions that you get a lot of um, people, uh, uh, who just, cause it's not a normal thing. You know, most people, we talk about conventional loans a lot. Most people don't talk about bank statement loans. So it's, it's almost like a veiled mystery. So.
1: Correct. And, and, and just to take that last question one step further. I mean, we can also, you know, like I said, the income documented using the personal bank sta- statements, it, it can be combined with that other source of income, and including if that self-employed person has two incomes, meaning some of it's W two and some of it's, you know, self-employed. I can use both of those, even if it's the one person. There's a lot of people that may have, you know, a job that they've had on the side, like so. Say for example you know, you do a part-time job, W-2s, but your poor, big portion of your income comes from your self-employed business. As long as you've had that other income, as long as you had the income for two years on both sides, we can do it. You know, we can we can combine that income and use it. So um, it's it's a great option for those that think, you know what, I tried to do this and I couldn't qualify for a mortgage. Um, these programs have been around for a pretty much as long as I've been doing this business there might have been a little bit of a period of time where you didn't see these programs after 08 for a little bit there was a little bit of you know everybody backed off people weren't doing anything but these ba- these programs have been back around for you know a handful of years now at least to say the least we've been doing a lot of them so again you're gonna have to have you can't have a a bad credit score You know there's there's credit score requirements that kind of go along with these with these types of programs and you know you're gonna have to i think we can go as low as even a 660 on these programs but then again your loan to value may be you know 60 percent. you have to put 40 percent down so there are little things that kind of go in and i don't want to do that because we want to end this on time but um that's why it's important for you guys to give us a call Another topic I think we should talk about next week is for, I have a lot of, I've been getting a lot of questions on debt service coverage loans. That's for our investor community. Um, How do those work? How can I, uh, you know, qualify for for that? Which means it's not going on their income per se. Um, It's going based on the property's income that the property generates a month. And they'll, they'll, I mean, you have to back it up with good credit. However, we're not going to use your supporting income We're gonna use the property's income to support the debt. So that's another great program for that kind of same uh, non-qualified mortgage program that people are asking for, especially here in Florida. A lot of people buy investment properties down here. I had a handful of closings this month for with these programs. So definitely wanna educate you, call me anytime. Love to have a conversation with you, whether you're one of our realtor partners or your client that's listening in, or a potential client, I should say, or just someone that's like more interested in hearing more or getting more information about these loan programs. We're really here to help and we wanna be able to share all that we can with you.
0: Yes. Well, we will, uh, at, all of this is aggregated into a blog post. We now have it in video and we now have it in podcast form as well. Um, so for those who want to rewatch this or maybe want to listen or read it later, we're gonna link all that onto, onto here. And of course, if you find that, please like and subscribe us on YouTube, podcast, check us out on mortgagedreams.com, which is where the uh, blog posts for all this will be. And we'll be back next week with kind of the follow-up or I guess the next step of this, like you said, on those debt service loans um, and what those means, uh, what that means for people around here. So Chris, thank you for the time today. Thanks for answering really these burning questions.
1: It. Hope you guys enjoyed and look forward to hearing from you all. Thank you.
0: Yes. Awesome. Enjoy your weekend, everyone.
1: You too. Bye, Mindy.